0: Thinking Basketball Podcast. My name is Ben. Welcome back to another episode today. I am I am very happy to be joined by the one and only Cody Hodak. A- another Cody episode. Cody, we're, we're going to get one of these every week until the playoffs. Is that what we're going for?
1: I hope so. That's the plan. I got to say, when I was listening to the solo pod about turnovers, which by the way, I do actually miss hearing you just talk for a straight hour with some numbers. I mean that got me through some like good 2017 2018 years. But the shout out a couple times. I, I felt the genuine mm, missing and I'm like yes. I can't I can't deprive Ben much less the people of my uh of my presence here any longer.
0: My plan worked. That was exactly I I sat on the sword for 1 hour, sat on the sword, fell on the sword. <laughs> what is that expression? We're off to a, a raging start. Yeah.
1: Sitting is a form of falling. It's like a controlled falling. So I think the the Turn of phrase works regardless.
0: Why stand when you can sit? That's my motto about most things in life. Um, going that about,
1: apply to any other... You know what? Never mind. What, <laughs> what are we going to talk about, ben? Are we going to talk, talk about, about
0: basketball today and the incredible things that have happened in the handful of days since the All-Star break? We had, we had the All-Star break. Mm-hmm. I kind of feel like the season should end. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, I'm yeah. ready for the playoffs. And now we have, there's like a mini sprint here at the end, but also it's still like 25, 20 or 25 more games for some of these teams to cover. Anything can happen. The standings are in flux. And, and actually, Cody, actually, my own individual power rankings in my head mm-hmm. are in flux. I feel like I get a little bit more information about teams and um, I, I may have to move a team into my inner circle title contenders today I have to, I may have to move I, I don't know it's a special category I don't know what to do with this team I really don't know what to do with this team so all season of course we've had the Nuggets and the Celtics in the inner circle I had a big announcement while well, you were gone you missed it big announcement I moved the Clippers into the inner circle a while yeah. ago at some point while well, you were uh what were you doing having a baby having reproducing and having a child all that Ridiculous yeah, stuff. Yeah,
1: doing, doing like dad caring yeah. things, and here I am holding a child, hearing like without me, you slipped in this idea that the Clippers could be an inner circle team. Yes. So I'm interested. It sounds like you're inviting more people to the party. So I'm glad you waited till I was back to admit this one. Well,
0: I don't know what to do. I don't know exactly what category uh, to put this team in, but I have a team in my head. That is in that like third or fourth range, and they really should be talked about. I don't know if we use the Cody hodek term "inner circle." I don't know if we go that far and we make the bold declaration, but they have to be. They have to be discussed as a team that can win the NBA championship in 2024. I I, I can't deny it any longer.
1: Is it? Do you want me to guess a team? Do you want me to guess? You who have been
0: I, to... it? I didn't originally want you, but now you're making a face that really begets guessing. So I would I, like to you to guess, yeah.
1: I think you're going to tell me the thunder of Oklahoma City. The
0: thunder of Oklahoma City, Cody, have to be included in this discussion. Okay. Henceforth okay. from here on out, hitherto, the end of their run or the season. They are very good at basketball.
1: What, um, since the last time we may have had this conversation or you like publicly ranked some teams, what's changed? Because uh, I know you have the Shea video that just came out in yep. – in, uh, Co- cooperation in... I can't think of words right now. You're with the NBA working with this. In, in teamwork, is in, a in, word I'm thinking of. In, in,
0: yes. In conjunction with... In collaboration. Yes. In, in conjun- yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> Collaborating with the NBA. You came out with this shave video. So I know you've been steeped in mm. Thunder lore right now. So what's, what's changed to get you to be a little bit higher on them?
0: Well, um, here's... We actually might have a full video out on this later in the week on the Thinking mm. Basketball YouTube channel because... After the Shea deep dive, I was watching them more. And I, and I just took a step back and I realized, like, okay, yes, they're very young. That's what this video could be about. Um, that might be a limiting factor. We understand why everyone is cautious because, A, they're very young, and, B, they have no experience. Uh, they have absolutely no experience. Jason Tatum by himself played more minutes in the playoffs last year than the entire Thunder rotation has ever played in their playoff career outside of... Now, Gordon Hayward's going to come in and he'll change that uh, after the trade deadline and things like that. But, like, we are talking about not just a very young team, but a team with basically zero experience across the board. And it's unprecedented, especially in these modern times, um, the, 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 to win like that, the makeup of recent teams winning veterans and stars and all this other stuff. But, Cody, they have Shaquille Alexander. hmm They have, like, a big three. They have mm-hmm. three great players on their team. They have a pretty balanced roster. When you look at some of the games, like the other the other day they were playing the Clippers. Okay? And the Clippers were doing this thing where they're like, Avicii Zubats, I think Zach Lowe went into this recently on one of his shows. Um, Avicii Zubats, you guard Josh Giddy because we want to force you to be the shooter. We'll roam off you. And they just were like, Giddy, you go to the bench. We're going to start the half with Isaiah Joe, who's a ridiculously good shooter. So they they... Have a pretty good ecosystem and environment around their good players. Jalen Williams is phenomenal. Chet Holmgren is incredible. Um, the coaching is fantastic. I think that was one of the takeaways, not just around Shea and how they position Shea and set him up. If you haven't seen that video, uh, it's available uh, through the NBA, NBA YouTube channel, it might be on the NBA app as well. But like, They put him in such great positions because their X's and O's are very progressive and they understand his strengths and how to create space on the floor for him and how to move the other pieces around. So you have great coaching. Then recently, Cody, they've played a bunch of teams that have been high-level teams, which mentioned the Clippers, the Nuggets, the Celtics. They do very well in these games, okay? They do well across the board. So this is a team that's well-coached, they play older than they are. They have three stars. They have the entire statistical profile of a title-winning team. Good on offense. Good on defense. Length and disruptive. Ver, you know some versatility. It looks like it's hard for me to ignore that. When you now, yes, it's very hard to win multiple playoff series against these other great teams when you have a lot of parity. But that also means that you know you get a good matchup or two. You have a good stretch or two. Um, They could easily be in the conference finals against a team that they play very well. They might have home court advantage against them, and I think by the time they get to the NBA finals, even if they only have like a thirty or forty percent chance of winning that series, if it's if the Celtics or you want to handicap it that way, why are why why would we not talk about them the same way we talk about the Clippers and even to some degree the Nuggets?
1: I think what's interesting about them and the season in general is that there doesn't really seem to be any teams that are, like, head and shoulder above everyone else. Like, I do think the Boston Celtics, I think we made the prediction at the beginning of the year that they'd be the only team that's, like, flirting with 60 wins, and it looks like they're pretty on pace to do that at this point. So I think they're the one team that is, in my mind, clearly better than everyone else. But there's no one else, really, that separated themselves as just being a world-beating team. So I think in that context and everything that you're saying right now, uh, yeah, talent-wise what they're doing throughout the regular season-wise, like all of that is pointing to a team that's going to be very successful in the playoffs. But I'm going to bring up the exact same concern that I've been bringing up or I brought up before we talked about them. Uh, If you look at their top eight players in total minutes played, according to Basketball Reference's birthday calculation, none of them are older than 25. And I, I don't like have the historical record of this right now. I would love to see the best teams in NBA history that made it with like, you know, they have, they don't have a guy in their top eight rotation. That's, oh, I guess Gordon Hayward's probably going to get in there at this point. But still, when you have such a young team, I'm such a like prove it truther, right? I'm a guy that really wants to see a team get into the playoffs, get beat badly. So that they know what they have to work on and know, like, you know, the the Jarrett Allen of it all, where he's saying, you know, the playoffs were a little bit higher octane than I expected. I want to see the Thunder go through that sort of thing first before I'm that much higher on them. But beyond that analysis, I don't know. If you think that's weak, if you think it's a flimsy argument, then, yeah, I think everything that you're saying makes a lot of sense. But I just I want to see them first. I want to see them fail a little bit first. And then I'll be a much bigger believer in them.
0: Yeah, that's it. I mean, yeah. I do happen That's to it. have that record in front of me so we could uh query it however you would like while we while we do the show. This is what I missed. I was doing I was doing a solo podcast. I don't know how to I don't know how to look stuff when Cody asked a question, I can't answer it. I mean, who who do I go to? while I answer Cody's questions that he asked or my own questions in that case, but yeah, I mean we could check. But to your point, um the age would be unprecedented. The age would be unprecedented. Every team basically has players in their rotation that are 28, 30, 31. Again, we could check whatever number you want to look up. But that is the big limiting factor. And so that's why I'm saying I don't know quite where we put them in a bucket. But unlike you, I think I'm a little bit more open to acknowledging our uh, tendency to say it can't happen until it happens. You know, like the the Yo Jokic can't win a title because he can't defend. Up oh, now, you now it's now I've seen it. Now I believe it. And the reality is that happens over and over and over again in basketball and in life in some form or another. It doesn't always have to be the so-called black swan. It doesn't have to be like a one in a million event. There's, there's only been 70 NBA champions. There's only been you know we've only been in the three point era or, or post ABA NBA merger for less than 50 years. Teams win titles in clusters. Because they're really good, and the salary cap keeps them together and things like this. So, yes, I think it is very unlikely because of this age factor. But they have the makeup. When you go across the board, they have the makeup. And the really weird thing is there's just no trend. The last time when we were, had the no-dunks guys, I think it was Trey who was saying, like, I would have loved them to make the playoffs last year and be swept. just mm-hmm. to have that, Just to have that step upward in the journey up the mountain, just to have like one level completed um, because it's just completely unprecedented to do it any other way. But I mean, unprecedented things happen. Even you flip it on its head. Like the Mavs were really old and no, no team that old had come together after many failed attempts and won a title. The 2008 Celtics, no team had immediately assembled like that through trades and free agency with so few players from the year before and won a title. So, There's always going to be a first time for these kinds of things. And I wouldn't bet the house on it. That's not what I'm saying. But I think we have to, like for me, just from a basketball standpoint, I'm like, man, it feels wrong to really just completely axe them off and exclude them from the conversation because of that. So maybe when you compare them to the other teams we've talked about next to them, the Minnesota Timberwolves of the world and teams like that, maybe there's an in-between like mm-hmm. tier or something but it feels like when i watch the other top teams Celtics Nuggets Clippers the Thunder are at that level that's what it feels like
1: I'd say, I don't want to say that I'm giving them no chance. If I'm doing some kind of like epistemological calculus right now, maybe right now I'd say I'm giving them like a 5% chance or something, but if they had the experience, if they go in and get kicked around and they come back the exact same way, I'd probably bump them up like 10 percentage points. Maybe it goes up to like 15% chance or something like that. So it's not that they're going from zero, they're just, you know... I'm taking a little bit of way and I'm not giving them some kind of boost. It's like the rookie tax that I always give to young players, the defenders and whatever else. Is I just kind of want to see it a little bit more before I crown them any such way. But I do think one thing that stood out to me throughout the season that's giving me a little bit more excitement about the team. Uh, every time I watch, Ben, uh, Jalen Williams just stands out as being so, – we we did the sub-All-Star pod, and I know you referenced this, I think, with the, with the, uh, the No Dunks guys. And yeah, I texted you about this. I'm like, I think that Jalen Williams is probably an all-star level player. We may have undervalued him on the sub all-star pod. He's just, he's incredible. He's flexible defensively. He can attack not even just as a second side guy, but as a primary attacker. And when you have that many players like Jalen Williams, like Shea, and now Chet, who's driving and shooting and whatever else, that's just a lot of flexibility on offense. So I don't know, with the development of somebody like him, I'm buying what you're selling, Ben. I'm buying it.
0: Yeah, that's part of it. Uh, he's absolutely phenomenal. Uh, by the way, I'm just scanning some of the championship teams here. And just for the record, I mean, it is extremely rare. Um, most of the time, teams have multiple players over the age of 25 in their core. And so for the Thunder, I mean, Shea technically is is over 25. But for the Thunder to have no one, again, every every way you slice the age thing with them, it would be a completely unprecedented Championship if they were to pull it off. But uh, I don't know what to do with them because when I compare them to the sort of that next tier that we've talked about, whether it's the the Cavs. I want to talk about the Cavs. I want to ask you about the Cavs. Um, the Knicks getting hot, teams making trades, the, the Timberwolves, um, are the Suns dangerous? Are the Mavs dangerous? I can't remember if I'm leaving out a team in the West. But like... When you compare them, they just seem like the best basketball team of that group to me.
1: I don't know. This goes back to what I'm saying about not having any world-beating teams. It's kind of really fun, right? I think a lot of people want the Suns to be better. I think a lot of people want the Warriors to be better. I think people want the Lakers to be better. But the fact that all these teams are a little bit, you know, depressed down from what you'd expect makes it a little bit more fun. It makes it a lot more egalitarian, and honestly, it's kind of like when we went into the playoffs last year, and it's like, I don't know. Maybe the Nuggets will pull it off. Maybe someone else will do it. The Miami Heat are going to make a random run. I think we're open to a a pretty fun playoff run here. And I know a lot of people have Boston at the top. I know Boston's definitely in, in like the heart of my inner circle right now. But am I guaranteeing a Boston championship this year? No, absolutely not. And it makes it really fun. And I I'm I'm really ready for the playoffs because I'm I'm like, I don't think any of these teams are gonna separate themselves. I don't know if I'm gonna learn much more about these teams before the playoffs. At this point, we just gotta toss them in and see what happens in the Hunger Games, Ben.
0: I left out two teams from that next group that we've discussed throughout the season and I think it's time to circle back to both of them because since the last time we talked about them Cody a lot has changed a lot has changed we are back in the Eastern Conference and I don't think at any point we've talked about these teams as the inner circle title contenders but there's a curiosity with them that has been there throughout the year one is the Philadelphia 76ers where Joel Embiid goes down with this injury we do not know when he's going to come back or what to expect when he comes back. I think there's optimism that he will be back uh, maybe in March before the season ends and he can get some games under his belt and stuff like that. But when he has played, let's just start with the let's just, let's just put a little pin in the ground, a stake in the ground, so it's officially recorded. Uh, when he has played this year, the 76ers have played at like a 60-plus win pace. I think the way we were slicing it the other day using the opponent's uh, margin of victory and where the games were and things like that. It was like 65 or 66 win pace with him in the lineup. And with him out of the lineup, uh, well, Tyrese Maxey and Tobias Harris are involved. That's what it was. It was all three of them. Um, With him out of the lineup and those two guys still there, it's like in the low 30s. So Mm -hmm. he's working on one of the great with or without you sort of like wowy seasons that we've seen if this keeps going for another five or ten games and I don't know is that is that a concerning sign is that a reflection of that the supporting cast around him when you get to brass tacks in the playoffs won't be able to withstand the quality that we've talked about with those top three or four inner circle teams or is that just like no it's a reflection of the fact that Jojo is that good right now and his scoring is that destructive that when you get in the playoffs with uh this different sort of style around him with a different ecosystem with nick nurse as the coach where you can play some adaptive strings like actually if we got him back philly is right in that same kind of like okc range that we were talking about before it's just not that they're young it's
1: that they're new Ooh, can i do the thing you like to do to me a lot ben <laughs> can i can i give you the response yeah <laughs> i think a little bit is noise <laughs> I think there's a little <laughs> bit of noise going on here. But I, I mean, honestly, I don't necessarily think that a beat is worth 30 wins for a team. That would literally vault him up. And who knows? Maybe someone's out there saying that, yeah, this season for a beat is literally the GOAT NBA season. So if you believe that, sure, I guess I guess that makes sense. I don't quite subscribe to that. Uh, but I'm also, I'm not trying to downplay. I think a big part of it is that how Philadelphia plays. It just revolves around what Embiid does so well. I mean, they completely changed... And I wouldn't say completely changed their offense, but they definitely supercharged their offense by putting them into that sort of like high DHO delay sort of system. That mid-range game is automatic. Even Paul Reed coming in really can't replicate that. No. And it just complete, it completely changes the way that they play basketball. So I think that... Uh, beyond Embiid himself and what he brings to the team, as just an extra amount of value that uh, he would bring in his absence to the Seventy Six.
0: Yeah, there have been other a handful of other great seasons with that kind of footprint before. So yes, it is it is noise. Thank you, um, Cody, for reminding everyone of that. But also, like, there's the Paul Reed part where. These minutes have not been... I mean, it's just not close. They're just not close. Mm-hmm. So there's a massive drop-off, and then there's a concern to me. You know, you could at least make the argument that there's a concern that even when he is healthy in the postseason, because he's so important and there's such a big drop-off, if he's like 38 minutes a night, what happens in the 10 minutes a night? You have to either go Paul Reed or like totally small ball without another backup big out there. Um, I don't know. I don't know. That's That's just a stake in the ground. We're just acknowledging that that exists Mm -hmm. with Philadelphia. The other team I left out, Cody,
1: Mm
0: -hmm. um, is the Milwaukee bucks.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And the Milwaukee bucks, the place to start, everyone has been skewering, uh, doc rivers and this coaching change. It's been a very rough start since the doc rivers coaching change, but I think there's other stuff going on here that extends, Way beyond Doc Rivers when it comes to the Bucks, and I would like to get into it with you if you don't mind, resident Bucks Homer unbiased fan, Cody <laughs> Hodak. What 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 say you? What have you seen lately from your Milwaukee Bucks?
1: Can I actually start with a little bit of a hot take? Um, may, maybe it's an ignorant take. No, we need more but, hot takes around here. We got to warm it up. I don't know if the coaching change from Adrian Griffin to Doc Rivers. Really affected anything. I don't, I don't think know it affected there's... a thing. Okay. Yeah. Good. We're on the same page here. Yeah. Because I, I didn't know if people were going to show up and be, oh, ever, ever since Doc showed up, this is going on. This is. No, it's the same Bucks team. I think they have the same warts. They have the same strengths. They have the same roster. They have the same questions about them. And whether or not, I, honestly, I'd probably say I'd rather have Doc Rivers. Like, if we needed the best chance to be successful, if the Bucks needed the best chance to be successful, I'd probably go with the coach that has what twenty plus years of experience over the guy that's never been a head coach before, especially one he wasn't showcasing. Yet, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna hate on Adrian Griffin at all. Coaching an NBA team's got to be really tough for the first time, but I'd rather have the guy with experience. So, if there is a plus, I don't know. It's probably negligible.
0: Right. It's not to say that out of the three people that have coached the Bucs, this is the one that there's, no, there's like no change in playoff probability or something like that. There might be a minor one. But what I'm seeing right now from the Bucs is similar stuff to what we have seen before. And, I mean, where do you want to start in terms of the issues that they're having? Because, like, on defense, it's the same stuff. They play the Heat the other day, right? Mm-hmm. They play Miami. And the Heat come out in the first quarter, and we get just the classic Heat-Bucks mismatch where they're like, hey, we're going to run you around and stretch you out. And if you're going to drop Brooke Lopez, then we're going to take a ton of threes against that drop. I mean, Dunk- they were like running the Duncan Robinson offense with Bam Adebayo <laughs> acting as the hub and Brooke Lopez just dropping. And this created problems. Then they send Brooke to the bench. Giannis comes in. They're like, all right, I'm going to come out on the perimeter. And right away, two guys on the ball to Duncan Robinson. And now you put the defense in rotation. They swing it around. They get another wide open three. And of course, the Heat are zombie streaky. Like when they're on, they're on. Nikola Jovic is like raining threes over Giannis's head and things like that. So that's on one end. And then on the other end, Miami likes to switch, they're a little more agile. And I feel like so much of the Bucks' success this season has rested on Giannis Antetokounmpo's brilliance and his speed and athleticism and agility. And if you can slowly chip away at that with a wall and uh, the right defensive coverages, like what does that what does that mean for the offense going forward in a season where we came in going like Dame, you know, Dame Lillard pick and roll with Giannis? Is this going to be unstoppable? How's this going to work? So. Uh, to me, it's a it's a similar place that they've been in, just which means a ton of question marks.
1: Let's start with the offense. I think there's been enough said about the defense. I'm not sure if we're going to say anything new or nuanced there. They do their drop defense. They don't have a lot of great defensive personnel. They're really struggling at the point of attack. They obviously don't have Drew Holiday. But I do think some of the warts offensively, are a little bit more nuanced and interesting. And even though they have two very good offensive players, Giannis is t- t- having a spectacular season. We Actually, let's talk about defense for a second. I, if I'm DeAndre Ayton, Ben, like, I might never attempt another alley-oop dunk again <laughs> in the presence of Giannis. I don't know if you saw, but recently, the Bucks played the Portland Trailblazers and they throw a lob to Ayton. And again, Giannis is just tractor beam. Like, I got this. Laser-focused, goes, meets him at the apex of the catch and rejects him, right? I don't necessarily know... I haven't watched that closely. I haven't evaluated how close Giannis is to his defensive player of the year peak, Uh, but he's still pretty fantastic defensively. And I think maybe some of the warts are showing because the other defensive personnel, aren't there and there's kind of a synergistic thing there but he still has the motor he's still great with his rotations he still closes out like a madman when he needs to he's still great at defending the rim uh so I think he himself does as much as he can possibly do uh defensively as the back on the back line I know I just said I wasn't going to talk about defense but what do you think do you think Giannis has looked like solid or close to his defensive peak this season or no
0: uh I think, he's, I think he's looked plenty fine. I, I wouldn't say it's his, his regular season defensive peak because I think he's picking his spots more. I think he's mm-hmm. a little more, um, you know, the motor is a little bit more dialed back on defense and he's not always kamikazing or things like that. But let's stick with the defense because mm-hmm. there have been three coaches and none of those, those coaches have found a way to get Damian Lillard or Malik Beasley oh. to defend the perimeter or the point of attack well. And... In these games that are causing so much commotion about you know the box slow start and Doc Rivers and the coaching change and Doc Rivers going to the sound bites about how like this was a bad idea to hire me I love that um, but like <laughs> Memphis take the Memphis game right before the All Star break down the stretch of that game you have mul- I'm sorry to do this Cody to you but like you have multiple defensive breakdowns coming from. Malik Beasley or Damian Lillard either on the ball or away from the ball in sometimes basic situations. Um, there's a tendency to fall asleep. They can they can be beat off the dribble. They don't provide a lot of resistance up at the screen, up at the point of attack. And this is something that all of a sudden can expose weaknesses in a great rim protector like Brooke Lopez, who's already in a specific kind of coverage where you want really good guards protecting you or being part of that coverage, pushing the ball downhill. And it's just like, what happens to that if now we need to bring a third player over every time in the Brook Lopez drop? What, what can Giannis be expected to do defensively when Malik Beasley or Damian Lillard are getting picked on or blown by or something like that? I think the good news is for the team, they don't need to be like the best defense in the league to win a championship. That's not the idea. But you just don't want to see this much bleeding defensively against teams that are, you know, not known for being good offensive teams themselves.
1: So I don't know if there's a way to solve the point of attack issue. There just isn't. It's not even a put Giannis on them sort of thing. Because I know every year in the playoffs, they're like, why isn't Giannis guarding the best? Because he's a, he's a roamer. He's a fantastic roamer. That's what he does. And he's also just never been good enough at the point of attack to defend quicker guys like that. But I like I've said before, too, Chris Middleton, he's aged out of being a plus on defense, right? Pat Connaughton, he doesn't seem to quite be as much of a bowling ball defensively. Uh, He's more of a motor defensive guy, right? He kind of bounces all over. He gives it his all. He's diving on the floor and stuff like that. He seems maybe a step slower defensively on his own. Uh, I don't know. Pat Beverly? I I don't necessarily know how much. I guess he brings like an energy to it all. But how much does that change things? Jake Router? He's getting minutes out there. He's not going to be a point of attack guy. There's just literally no one on the team. Uh, maybe someone could be shouting, like there's probably some Bucks person that's like, why is Andre Jackson Jr. not getting more minutes? Like sick the guy that's like maybe the best perimeter defender on the team a little bit more.
0: Or, ben, or d- d- you could play Danilo Gallinari instead of oh, that, oh Cody. Yeah.
1: But be- guess what, Ben? I have a fun thing about Doc Rivers' stint so far. In his time as the coach, Thanassus, Giannis' brother, has played more minutes than both Marjon and Andre Jackson has played more minutes than both of them, right? And I I feel like if you have two young guys, you're in the regular season. Like I said, I don't know how much more we're learning. At least give these guys some run. If you're counting on guys like Jay Crowder, Danilo Gallinari, guys who, you know, they're getting older. They've had their injury concerns, especially Galinaris said his injury concerns. How about we give some of these young guys some run so that we can see what they're able to do when the playoffs come around? I don't know. I, I feel like for a team that just feels old when you watch them, you need to insert a little bit of youth and energy onto what they're doing, especially defensively. So I don't know. That is one personnel issue I would like to see changed a little bit more because I, I just don't think the Bucks can rely on a lot of these, these vets that they've been getting.
0: I want to go back to what I said about the funder earlier, though, about how they look the part. They have these this great talent. There are certain role play. You know, we don't know what it's going to be six, seven, eight deep. We don't know what it's going to be in the playoffs, but they have players that can play. When you look at the Bucks, even when Chris Middleton is healthy, and he's a question mark because he's older and he's recovering from injury, and he's been in and out of the lineup, and it's like, okay, you have Lillard, you have Giannis, you have Chris Middleton, you kind of basically have Brook Lopez but I'm being hesitant there because there might be situations where teams attack him or try to play him off the floor or something like that. The other part of the Brook Lopez equation is that he has shot well from 3 uh especially when he's wide open or in the corner in his career and and that really means like the last 6 or 7 years since he developed a three-point shot but the end of the day, he's still a 34% three-point shooter. And part of what I wonder with this team in the NBA today, it's like you watch them, they will create pretty good shots regularly on offense. I think given where their defense is, they need to create great shots on offense. And OKC gets a player like Isaiah Joe, who you just, you're like, that's, that's, a, that's a marksman, that guy. That's like a 40-plus percent three-point shooter. You replace those shots with a spot-up shooter who's like 34 35%. That's actually a pretty significant drop-off in today's NBA. So part of me wonders if the shooting is there. That's why Malik Beasley plays because he's such a great shooter. He is a legit like 40-plus percent three-point shooter. But then you lose everything else with him because this offense, reflecting the defense, isn't that dynamic when it comes to like mid-sized players slashing, moving, providing length. So he can spot up, but takes a long time to watch a possession, to watch a game and find a possession where like, oh, look, he cuts on, you know, he cuts from the slot and catches an extra pass and throws it down on a dunk. It's like... No, they usually just spot up and like move it around the perimeter and see who can. Uh... Every once in a while, Brooke Lopez attacks a closeout and that is a slow motion rumble to the basket to see what we can really test the limits of the Eurostep rule. Like, I'm dribbling, <laughs> I'm picking it up. This is what an elephant looks like if they played basketball. Um, right? I think that's actually the secret, like the dirty little secret of the box is what happens players four, five, six, seven, eight in a playoff rotation, especially in these wing positions
1: outside of Chris Middleton. I can't believe you brought this up. You've you've walked right into my trap and you've walked into what I consider (laughs) offensively to be the crux of their issues. And that's the fact that nobody on Milwaukee's team can drive to the basket. OK, it, like you said, there's the shooting issue, right? There's the shooting issue where maybe you don't have any of these 40 percent three point shooters. You have some of these role players that are shooting 30 some percent. But outside of Giannis and Dame, who are both great at getting into the paint, Giannis obviously is an all time rim finisher. But if we look at the rim field goal attempts from the Thinking dot net database, right here, here's some of the players that that the Bucks have. Chris Middleton, 13th percentile, Pat Connaughton, 7th percentile, Malik Beasley, Fourth percentile. Wait a second. Wait a second. Jay Crowder, Ben, first. No percentile. No. Why are you like, doing these this? are. S- the majority of their rotation guys do not get shots at the basket, and that's because if you look at their drives per 36, it's just so much lower than any other team that's, that's functionally trying to drive a good offense. You look at guys like like the Thunder, for instance. Chet Holmgren, we talk about some of the spacing that he brings. Brooke Lopez brings some of the spacing. But he's driving two, three times more than Brooke Lopez. So if you go and try and chase Chet off his spot, He's gonna take it to the basket. Brooke Lopez is doing that three times fewer than him. You chase like you close out hard against anyone on the bucks, it's over. That ends the possession. Unless the player's name is Giannis or Dame. And I think that just puts too much pressure on these two guys who I think are obviously Giannis is just having an unbelievable season. Uh Dame. He still looks like he's working through some things, but I think it's, it's, I don't know, it's a weird setup for them, and a big part of it is that none of these guys can attack closeouts, and when they get to the playoffs where teams are like, hey, we close out hard on them, and we make sure the ball gets back to Damer Giannis, and they have to create everything, it's going to be a nightmare for the Bucks offense. So I, I think this, this team is set up to have a drop-off in their playoff offense because of their rotation, guys.
0: Every year, people ask me about working in basketball professionally, or even how we add people to the Thinking Basketball team, and Sports Business Classroom is one of my go-to answers, and let me tell you why. It's professional, hands-on teaching from industry leaders and experts that sets you up to work in basketball. Alumni have gone on to work for multiple NBA teams, major media outlets like The Athletic, Clutch Sports, and more. This year's new lead instructor is ESPN's Bobby Marks, and the curriculum covers scouting, analytics, media, and the salary cap. The program is a six-day immersive experience that takes place July 14th to 20th in Las Vegas during Summer League, and for a limited time, use the code THINKINGBASKETBALL for $600 off early bird registration. Interest is at an all-time high right now, and there are only 125 spots in the program. So, you currently use Thinking Basketball at sign-up for $600 off that early bird price. If you're interested, at SportsBusinessClassroom.com. Okay, was what's the were those the percentiles of field goal attempts at the rim? All yes. those, and they're all like in the first, fifth, seventh percentile, something like that. Yeah. Okay, just for for perspective. (laughs) Just for perspective, because we just (laughs) talked about the Thunder, okay? Isaiah Joe is the only player on the Thunder who's in the bottom 20th percent of the league. He's in the fourth percentile. (laughs) Um, Here here are some of their players. Chad Holmgren, 67th percentile. They just traded for Gordon Hayward, 44th percentile. Jalen Williams, 72nd percentile. Josh Giddey, 78th percentile. Shea Gilgis Alexander ninetieth percentile. Obviously, Giannis uh, for the Bucks is very high, but like that—that is—that is a startling set of statistics that you just rambled off. Vintage thinking basketballs. Anyone who's playing the game <laughs> has hit thinking basketball bingo and must now proceed with drinking whatever beverage they have. Um, I think all this is getting me to a place, Cody, where it's like this: the other team in the East outside of the Celtics. Um in terms of like setting up a power rankings or thinking about who has a chance to either win the title or advance far in the playoffs, it feels like a, what's the word, a glut. It feels like just this group of teams, the Knicks we've talked about recently might be dangerous, the Cavs we've talked about recently might, I, I, I still don't know what to make of the Cavs, now they're losing, they got all their guys back. I don't know what's going on. Um, but like, if Philly's not healthy, to me, the, these teams are all kind of in the same territory. And I do think the, I don't want to, I don't want to sort of have this misunderstanding here. The Bucks are not a bad team. Mm-mm. The Bucs are not even, to me, like an average team. They're like a good team. But when we talk about the top three, four, six, seven teams in the league, if you can't clearly succeed on offense or defense, or you have these kinds of weaknesses that look like they can be, they can be kind of exploited in the postseason, um, it's hard for me to really say, like, yeah, if, if Embiid's injured, I'm going to pencil in the Bucks in the Eastern Conference Finals as a team to give the, give the Celtics a, a run for the money um, or something like that. I don't think that's quite the way I see the Eastern Conference. I think it's, uh, it's going to be wild, yeah.
1: I'm also looking at the East standings, right? We're, we're going to put Boston aside. So if Milwaukee wants to make a deep playoff run, could you? Could I see them beating Cleveland in a playoff series? Yeah. Yep. Could I see them beating the Knicks in a playoff series? Yeah. Yep. Could I see them beating, you know, an Embiidless slash sort of injured Embiid 76ers that, in the playoffs?
0: That team is that, that. That team would struggle with anyone. I think. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yes. Can I see them beating Indiana? Yeah. So, all of a sudden, you you run the, down the list. The, yes, don't you, you dare say it. Don't you dare no, say no, it. No, don't, don't, this, don't, this is it. my point,
0: though. This is my point. You can see them beating Indiana instead of, like, ch- pencil that one through. Because mm. Indiana is a matchup nightmare for them. And you could very easily see some slippery situation where it's like, why why are the Pacers up 2-1 against the Bucks in the first round or whatever's <laughs> happening? And that, to me, isn't just a specific quirk. I think it's actually reflective of the of the quality of how I'm seeing this team right now.
1: And that's what's so annoying is, you know, we might also have an Eastern conference finals matchup between Boston and Milwaukee and everyone's like, Oh, you two hated on Milwaukee so much. Well, you did. Yeah, no, you did that. That wasn't me. That was all you. Did you know basketball references, playoff probabilities? Have you, have you looked at these numbers before? Yeah. They have Boston at 49.7% to win the finals. 50 percent chance the celtics win the finals i don't know if i'd ever give a team a 50 percent chance to win the finals that's that's a that's a big number ben the second highest team actually is your your new favorite team that the thunder 19 percent to win the finals um i'm not sure i'm not sure if i'm buying the celtics that much but i do agree with the celtics being you know the highest of any of those
0: it's, teams. but that's a simple model i think that's just mostly based on how great their point differential and Ba- very basic stuff is like that and the celtics point differential is fantastic and the celtics mm-hmm. are 45 and 12 and and whatnot um have you looked at like the mvp ba- basketball reference has an mvp tracker where they use uh, another again a handful of simple inputs to try to kind of figure out historically who would be winning the mvp that the, the, the Model they use doesn't know a ton about narratives and things like that, or what city
1: you play in, which is what I want to ask you about. Uh, but have you hmm. looked at this? Uh, I just pulled it up right now. So okay. sorry if you were going like, to quiz me, but I'm looking at it
0: now. Have, have you, do you remember the latest uh, Tim Bontemp straw poll uh, at ESPN? You know, the, um, the who's who, if we're voting for the MVP today, have you looked at any of the probabilities or the betting markets on MVP and things like that?
1: Nope, I haven't. Okay.
0: Um, let's let's read it. How about that? Let's. I read love it. this. Yeah. Oh, please.
1: Yeah. Let's just. Names. Some names.
0: I, ha- I have a question. I have a, I have a question for you. Um, okay. Nikola Jokic still leads it at first. Yep. Shea Gilgis Alexander is second for the Thunder again. Yeah, you know, like a guy who might win the MVP historically. That means you might be in the championship conversation. Number three, Giannis Antetokounmpo from your Bucks. That's an interesting one to me because I don't think the Bucs are actually that impressive. But it's almost like he's he, he when you watch them, he feels like he's doing a carry job. That's what oh, it yeah. feels like. Yeah, it oh, feels yeah. like he's doing everything out there. He's kind of playing out of his mind. Number four, Luka Doncic mm-hmm.
1: of the Mavs. Number that five team is they're, they're coming on.
0: Number five, Kawhi Leonard. Number six, Jason Tatum. Number seven, Jalen Brunson. Number eight, Donovan Mitchell. Nine, Anthony Edwards. And ten, Kevin Durant.
1: That's that's Bontemps'
0: straw poll? That's the straw poll. Doesn't he ask like a hundred media members or something? Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now, for anyone who uh, hasn't listened to me and Cody before wax poetic about, we don't know what the MVP is or what it means and we don't have strong opinions about who to vote for and things like that there's all kinds of different criteria but we often talk about MVP level players and guys who might be softer MVP level players and all NBA players and how the narrative can put you in a position to um, you know win an award or finish very highly in an award so first I want to give you a chance to react to that but then second I have a specific question and it ties back into our Eastern Conference discussion
1: I'm going to be honest with you. I'm having a tough time because I'm looking at the basketball reference list, and I'm getting them confused at the moment. So, which list do you want me to react to? Team Either one. Attempts? It doesn't okay. matter. Yeah. I think uh, first of all, I, I came across you know on the the. I'm not going to comment negatively or positively about any sites, but sometimes Twitter gives me something interesting. There's there's a, a meme from Everything Everywhere All At Once. And it's Wayman's character. In the top half says In another life. And in the bottom it says, I would have really liked just rattling off the names of random athletes with you. And I gotta say, I immediately thought about being on this podcast. Mm. I'm like, this is the best. We're just yes. just rattling off MVP candidates. This is exactly what we need to be doing. Um, I, I don't know. I feel like you want me to have some kind of reaction to this, but I'm looking at it and I'm like, I I'm I'm captain, I'm not sure what MVP is, right? Yes. Every time I see it, I'm like, everyone can make some kind of an argument about. Whatever they want, I, I'm I'm not really sure. Okay, Nicole, I'm going to ask. Nikola Jokic is number one. That's I'm going to ask you
0: my question. I've, t- okay. I've teed it up long enough. Okay. Yeah. Here's my question. Yep. Um, if Donovan Mitchell played in New York, <laughs> and the Cleveland Cavaliers played in New York, <laughs> so you see what I'm saying. It's the same team. You take the Cavs team. You take Jared Allen there. You put all the injuries that they've had there. You took the massive run that they've had there. Um, You have them second in the standings. They're 37 and 19. Mitchell's played out of his mind in the last month or change or whatever. Two months, maybe. Whatever it's up to. Where would he be in MVP voting? That's my question for you.
1: Wow. Where's be- Jalen Brunson on the list? On the straw poll,
0: Brunson is seventh and Mitchell is eighth. Oh, my God. And, you know, if, if you're new around here, Cody and I love Jalen Brunson. We've been doing Jalen Brunson Hour for years. Um, I, did a, I did a YouTube video, Five Thoughts, on Jalen Brunson in, like, 2019. So this is not an anti-Jalen Brunson thing in the slightest. But, like, that, that jumped out to me that so much... When you have the parity we have right now, so much of the voting, we saw this around All-Star, is like going down the standings and being like, okay, that team's first. Do they have an MVP? Where's their MVP? Okay, the Celtics are actually really, really good, so I'm going to move Tatum down a little bit because the team is so good. Who's at the top of the West? Okay, it's that Shea, and that's Jokic. Like, that defaulting to that rubric, which has always been there, feels like when there's a lot of chaos, it feels like people default even more. And yet, yet, with the little the little team by the lake, the Cleveland Cavaliers, they have a guy who, again, when you go to our site, we go to thinkingbasketball.net um, for Patreon subscribers, our deluxe members, and, and you pull up the player cards for Jalen Brunson and Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell just looks slightly better across the board. He just looks like a better version almost across the board at everything. I don't think that's a crazy thing to say as players, even if you think they're in similar groups like Mitchell, Mitchell's pedigree at that standing of all NBA play is a little bit more established. Um, and the team, like the, as an example, the Knicks, when Jalen Brunson's on the court are plus seven, that's good. That's in the 82nd percentile. When Mitchell's on the court, they're plus 11. That's in the 96th percentile. So I just, you know, just while I have you, while I have your time, it's just curious about if you have thoughts about the calves and donovan and and um you know some of these things that happen if you were to like take one of these teams and put them in a bigger city how much that influences you know the little the little things like uh mvp voting and uh you know all nba votes and endorsements and contracts and things like that legacies you know all that stuff we don't care about
1: i love this i don't get in a narrative talk with you much this is this is excellent but i do like even when you watch him, I really enjoy watching the Knicks. I really like Jalen Brunson. Even watching the games, you see Donovan Mitchell, especially in that run when everyone else was injured. It, he was, I, in my mind, it looked like he was on another level, right? This is a guy that was just a terror getting to the basket, setting people up. The shooting was off the charts. It feels weird that people didn't get really excited about that run. Right, i think you, I, I forgot yeah. who you had on that, that pod episode a couple of weeks ago. It, it's very strange that people didn't coalesce around it. It's almost like when Embiid got injured, everyone's minds just broke. And they're like, I don't know who to vote for MVP at this point anymore. I said, Luka Dodgers, he's good. Shea, put him on. Jalen Brunson, he gets it. Like, everyone forgot what to evaluate. So I I think you're onto something here. I do. Um, I don't know how it affects other play- players. Like, where's Tyrese Halliburton on that list, for I think instance? He,
0: I think he was 11th on the straw poll. Now, remember, not only are the – this is my thing. Like, not only are the Pacers record-wise – way down right you're doing the rubric where you're like going down the you're like okay wait a second indiana's like seventh or eighth but he also missed time so you've got the double whammy of like losing your momentum missing time they make a kind of a splashy trade for siakam they haven't played together i think earlier in the year he was higher i actually believe we read that earlier in the year yeah higher
1: yeah i think so yeah i think uh yeah go ahead. by the end by the end here ben um i wouldn't be i wouldn't be surprised if this is a uh a Dark Horse Luka Doncic MVP year. Oh, oh my, oh my, this is, we've drawn it out of him, ladies and gentlemen. This is amazing. Yeah. I think we might be heading towards that right now. Like with, with the new look maps, which I hope we talk about at some point. Uh, the way he's playing, the success that they have, some of the turnaround with the stats that I was questioning. So that one Twitter account that just like retweets me as a clown every time that you'd see anything about Luka Doncic, you can you can calm down. I think he's a very good player.
0: No, he's still going to get you on this one, I think. He's still, still going to. Yeah. It's like, you don't actually think he's the GOAT.
1: Ah! Uh, I don't know. I would not be surprised if uh, things turn around and Luka becomes the MVP by the end.
0: You know, the last 45 minutes were good. I enjoyed them. I was like, I like this 45 minutes. This has been fun <laughs> sitting around in another life talking about MVP candidates. But then you made this take right now. You made this sentence come out of your mouth about Luca Darkhorse backdooring the MVP in the last six weeks of the season. And now I think this has been one of the great 45 minutes of my life. This is spectacular. <laughs> in the last month. Okay. In the last month. Yep. I was going to say Donovan Mitchell is fourth in the entire league in our model in box plus minus. I was going to say that the Cavs are plus 18 per 100 with him on the court in our model in the last month, which is second in the entire league. I was going to say he's second in our augmented plus minus model. I was going to say he's averaging 31 points per 75 possessions on 7% shooting in the last month. I was going to say all this. But you mentioned Luka Doncic. He's first in all these categories. Um, Yeah, he has the best box plus minus in our model in the last month. He's averaging 34 points per 75 on plus 9% true shooting. And when you do that, that makes you first in our model that evaluates scoring value and first in our model that evaluates playmaking value, the rare double-double that only the all-time great players can pull off. It's a hot month or two. Um, You bring this up all the time, Cody, because you dislike him so much. Luca's on off in the last month when when he goes to the bench versus when he's in the game. The Mavs are 27 points better per 100 when he's on the court. He's absolutely cooking. And I bring this up to say I'm I'm steering the ship. I have to turn course now that you've made – I was going to talk about Mitchell, but now I have to change my mind here. I'm bringing all this up to say it's February 26th. He's got like six or seven more weeks left. He's been going like this, I actually think, a little bit more than a month. I just have a month queried up in front of me. Um, you play like that in the final like two and a half, three months of the season, you mm-hmm. get that recency bias effect where it's the last thing you leave in the impressionable minds of the voters. And if the Mavs could make a little movement in the standings, I don't know how much movement they need because of all this chaos and parity we're going to have to come back and we're going to have to we're going to have to circle back on this is there another straw poll or is that it was that the last straw poll this season
1: i don't know i didn't even know that he was he was doing it right now so i you, i don't know anything you about didn't
0: that. know that luca was doing it that he's first in our offensive box plus minus or that you didn't know that uh the straw poll was
1: taking place i didn't know the straw poll was taking place i thought it was like once a year that's fine like that
0: that's totally uh, fine you're a father but... you're not expected to keep track of anything going on anymore in the world
1: I got to say, though, if we're talking about, like, style right now, your your attire right now, I can't tell if it's, like, like father reading, like, you know, the divine comedy to a child with that, that cardigan, the layering going on. This is incredible, like, mahogany bookshelf sort of vibe, like, you know, I, I don't know what else to say. I don't know if you're ivory tower or giving me, like, dad vibes.
0: I, well, what's happening? Are we, are we doing some kind of Saiyan morph dance right now? You, you're wood paneling and you're... Fa- are you saying that you're going to read to your child, your 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 daughter, it's going to be Dante's Inferno all night? Is that what you're... Did you just... Did I hear that? Uh, am I, am I, sweetheart, the in, the other third, in the third circle of hell, the usurers. Uh, let me explain... What they do.
1: Oh, my God. I don't know who's in the ninth circle. The Pistons are probably in the ninth circle of hell. Do you Do you have any other inner circle teams that you want to bring up? Is there any other team that you think is making an interesting run right now?
0: No, I think that's where my head is at. I think the, the, I'm, I, the, the celestial bodies are separating and coalescing. And that's why I'm like, something must be done with Oklahoma City. Mm-hmm. And when you look at everyone else, um, still haven't figured out Exactly what to do with Phoenix, but not putting Phoenix up there. Mm-hmm. The Pelicans are very, it's inc- great talent. We've talked about them a ton, um, but not putting them up there. You know, a team we could talk about next time or certainly in this month, depending on what happens is the Warriors. They're very interesting, but I'm not putting them up there. So yeah, I kind of have like my my inner circle. And then I've got this group of teams that I think is good, but I'm not sure like, maybe next time, maybe, I don't know if we'll do this before the season ends, but I mean, maybe the question is, like, how many other teams could you see winning a title outside of, like, one in a you know thousand flukiness or something like that?
1: I, I almost think the answer is more than, like, two or three. Mm. Like I yep. think there's actually a good amount of teams I could actually see winning the title.
0: Like who? Let's see. Let's hear some
1: names. Well, Okay. Could I see the Thunder winning the title this year?
0: They're already we ha- we already have them in the. In I, listen, <laughs> yes. I'm I'm just running through it. I'm, okay. I'm talking to myself. Okay. This is <laughs> this is
1: me monologuing to myself. Okay. Right? I'll, this is I'll my, shut up. I'll get out of the way. This yeah. is my soliloquy right now. Okay. Yeah. If so this can ends, I see the,
0: if this ends with the Orlando Magic winning the title,
1: I this is just going to be the best podcast ever. Could I see the Magic winning? The, in my heart, they already have been. In my heart. Well, if Jonathan
0: Isaac were to play more.
1: They just got the injured, so their title hopes don't are over.
0: Stop it. Stop it. Okay. All right.
1: Thunder? Yes. Uh Minnesota Timberwolves. Wow, when I say it out loud, I get a little bit I get a little bit nervous about that one. So we we'll, are gonna table the Timberwolves <laughs> right now. The Nuggets? Yes. The Clippers? Yes. The Pelicans? Probably not. I don't I don't see them winning. The Kings? No. Ben the Mavericks. Yeah. I could I could see the Dallas Mavericks winning wow. the title. Whoa. I, I can see the Mavericks winning the title. Wow, so that's a that's a couple already in the West. Could wait, I
0: see the Suns? Wait, you've added one team. You've added the Mavericks.
1: Yeah, okay. In this in this
0: separate non-linear, sideways, tangential tier that we're creating, called in a non-one in a thousand world, will this team win a title? You've got the. Ma- I want to talk about this before we go. You got the Mavs in there. Who else? The Suns. Okay. Did you
1: put the Suns in there? I'm not sure yet. They're they're in my Timberwolves. Yes. They're in my Timberwolves category where I yes. need I need a little bit more. I need a little bit more. Yes. I do think the East is is tougher though because in my mind I always have to ask myself, is this team going to beat the Celtics? So I'm looking at like the Cavaliers for instance. I I kind of want to put them in the Timberwolves section. The Bucks, the Knicks, um <laughs> pr- probably not the 76ers, I guess have been Beads backshirt. Okay, so maybe there's fewer teams in the East. Probably, probably not many teams these, but I think the West has a few actual teams I wouldn't be surprised about. So we got,
0: so did I miss one? We got Dallas and Philadelphia with Embiid back. Is that everything we got? I think so, yeah. Oh, man, This was, we should end the show. This was amazing. Yeah. yeah. If you want to support <laughs> us, patreon.com slash thinking basketball, we have our live Q&A coming up this weekend where, I mean, everyone in our Discord community asked me all kinds of questions about the past and hypotheticals and matchups and go into more hardcore stuff like this. I'm sure there'll be questions about this one in a thousand probability scenario that we're discussing here. I was, wa- I was waiting, Cody, for you to say the Miami Heat. That's what I was waiting for you
1: to say. I just yeah I don't know I, I don't feel I don't feel the vibes last year last year I got excited about them around this time and I don't feel it right now you did that's true you actually yeah. you
0: basically called that before it happened like at the end yeah. of the year you're like Ben you know who you need to watch out for you need to watch <laughs> out for the zombie heat they will not lose it's incredible yeah. Um, yeah Patreon.com/thinkingbasketball you can you can support us over there we've we've got the Shade Gilgis Alexander video uh, for the NBA that was a lot of fun to do hopefully we'll get to some thunder stuff this week on the main channel and um and yeah that's it you got anything else to add
1: if i were to submit a question uh i'm I'm gonna give the discord a question but i think it's a pretty basic thought experiment if every single player in the nba was reverted back to their prime what would the power rankings be i hope i hope somebody takes that and and runs with it because i'd be interested in your response
0: you mean this season
1: yep yep yeah everyone's just in their prime again
0: yeah Thanks for giving me homework to do uh, for next week, (laughs) Cody. I appreciate that. (laughs) Thanks, uh, as always, for listening all the way through on this one. And, of course, wherever you've been enjoying this crazy NBA season, I hope you're having a great day.